Well, good morning. We good? Wonderful. Um, so Sarah set it up brilliantly, so we're going to jump straight in. Uh, my name's Sand, by the way. If you are a guest with us, it's so good to have you with us. Uh, I'm part of this church community as well, so if I haven't yet said hello, then hello. Hello. Um, so we're looking at being a gospel people. Let me, let me put this in context. So that means... What, what does it look like? We want these, this season of city groups to be a place where we get equipped, where we get trained, where we build and grow in confidence to carry, show, share, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you know, being a Christian means the primary thing that we get to do is to share Jesus with people. That's what the early church did. Started with 120 and then several decades, well, several, several decades later, many generations later, there's now something like 2.5 billion followers of Jesus on the planet, which is just mind-bending, really. So we, we're part of that journey. It's a domino effect. So I want to start by saying, hey, friends, we're all part of that story. Like whether you, if you're here this morning and you know Jesus, you are part of God's unfolding story of salvation on the earth. He chooses to use you. How crazy is that? Just look at, look, I was going to say, look at yourself for a minute. <laughs> How do you do that? Take your eyes out and rest them on your lap. Um, just think about who you are right now. God uses you. He wants to use you. So I'm going to throw a few verses up on the screen behind me. Um, so I want to start by saying you're part of the plan. You and I are part of the plan. Matthew 28, this is known as the Great Commission. This is what it means to be a gospel people that we are part of this great mission, this great co-mission. We are co-laboring with Jesus on the earth. Jesus, he's risen from death itself. He's been with his friends for a period of weeks, actually. He's teaching them. He's talking to them about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, what to expect. Before he goes, before he ascends back to the Father, he gives them this instruction. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go. Go and make disciples of nations, of all nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, teach people to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. Look at that. So that, in a few statements, is our job description as a church. That is our primary purpose as followers of Jesus. Go and make disciples. Of course, we want to love each other, we want to love, there's all sorts of aspects and facets of our Christian faith, but the primary purpose of the church is to share the good news of Jesus. Now, I know this can be daunting, this can be terrifying, if you're anything like me, oh man, it's like, am I equipped to do this? I don't even know if I'm good enough to do this, there's fear, there's insecurities, I'm not quite built like that person, or I'm not as articulate as that person, but you know what, friends, pressure off. Because you go in his authority, his anointing, his equipping. Sometimes if we want to go in our own strength, then no, you're not good enough. There's good news for you. Let's have the band up. Let's finish the day. No, we're not, we're not good enough. But that's the point. Jesus says, I'm going to send another to be with you. And he has commissioned and anointed us with the Holy Spirit. And he sent us in his resurrected power. So we go with the anointing and the power of the risen king. We see in the book of Acts, they spoke about Jesus boldly. They spoke about him boldly. So that's what we want to look at today. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't even know Jesus, or I've known Jesus, but it feels like a distant memory now. Maybe you're here and you're like, if only I really knew what God was like, 
then I want to say to you, he's just like Jesus. If we want to know what he's like, if we want to know his ways, we don't need to look any further than Jesus. God has made himself known. So we're all part of the journey. We're all part of the story. You're included in God's great mission on the earth to go and make disciples, learners of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And the message that we carry is Jesus. I want to make this super easy for us. Because if you're anything like me, man, I need it easy. What are you saying to me? The message we carry is Jesus. He's the message that we carry. He's the message that has transformed our lives, and he's the message that we carry. He's what we're passing on. Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1. Listen to this. Colossians 1 says, He is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So Jesus Christ is the image and the imprint of God on the earth. The image and imprint. I, had, I heard someone say that Jesus is actually what God has to say in person. And then I, I got that. Jesus is what God has to say in person. So if we want to know who he is, if we want to know what God's like, his nature, his character, his ways, how he responds, how he res- wants to respond to each and every one of us, how he wants to respond to what's going on in society today, we don't need to look any further than Jesus because Jesus is actually God's answer on the earth. And that's the message that we're carrying. So think about this for a moment. The invisible God. That's what the Bible says. He's invisible. He's invisible. But he has made himself visible by putting on skin and coming in the form of his son, Jesus. God who is invisible has made himself visible. So you want to know how God wants to respond to sickness? I'm going to pray at the end if you're sick. And believe that God wants to heal you. He always wants to heal you. If you want to know how God wants to respond to sickness and suffering and anxiety and confusion, look at Jesus. How did he respond? You want to know how God wants to respond to the poor? You look at Jesus. The broken, the afflicted. I came to bind up the brokenhearted, Jesus said. You want to know how God wants to respond to the prostitute? Look at Jesus. He made one of them his best friend. That's how God wants to respond to the prostitutes. He loves them so much, he doesn't use them, he welcomes them into family. You want to know how God wants to respond to the despised and the rejected? We look at Jesus. Friends, he's so kind. I love talking about him. He's so kind. So we look at Jesus. He's the message that we're carrying. You know, Jesus really is the gospel of God. Want to know what gospel people look like? Looks like Jesus. He's the gospel of God. He's the good news of God. The king has arrived. Sarah's going to touch on this in week one of city groups. Give us a big picture. What is the gospel? But effectively, a trumpet sounds and a king arrives. And his kingdom arrives. And everything changes. So years gone by, times gone by, the Jews, the Jewish people, God's first chosen people, They'd waited a promised Messiah, one that would come and deliver them. Then we see the angels appearing to Mary and Joseph, this teenage girl, and saying, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. And this is to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah that you'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, God in skin, God on planet Earth, God with us. 
And then the angels appear to the shepherds, watching their flocks by night. Ta-da! Suddenly the sky is lit up with a multitude of angels. And they are proclaiming the announcement that the king has arrived. This king and his kingdom is here. And the angels say to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Easier said than done, right? We bring you great news that will be great joy for all the people. Today the Messiah, the Saviour, the Christ has been born. And John the Baptist, and Jesus is a man, is an adult, um, so we think. John the Baptist sees him coming and he, he proclaims, here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is Jesus' mandate on the earth. Friends, I needed my sin to be removed. Jesus hasn't just given me a patchwork. I'm a completely new person. I needed my sin to be taken away. So when John says, here he is, this is the lamb, and he will take away the sin of the world. And then Jesus' own life and ministry, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, he raised the dead, he preached the kingdom. These are all signs. Man, I wonder if this is the king. Who else can raise a little dead girl? Who else can call Lazarus from a tomb? Come out. Who else can heal a fever? Who else can heal a paralyzed man? This is what Jesus does. And these are all signs that the kingdom has crashed in on planet Earth. And you know what? Ultimately, it's the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ confirms everything. The only reason why you are sat here this morning is because Jesus is alive, if you're a Christian. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know him. I'm going to give you an opportunity to leave here knowing him this morning. And everything changes. Remember the moment I gave my heart to Jesus. It was like I left this place on a hoverboard. Not this place, the other place. And everything changed in that moment. But the only reason why this changes is because Jesus is alive. He was killed for our sin. He was buried in a tomb and he burst from death itself. And he is alive and he's pretty good. He's well. He's the king of the universe. So that's why we carry this incredible message. That's why we can get excited. That's why we can have full confidence. The Apostle Paul, the verses are going to come up on the screen behind me. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says to them, For what I received, I want to pass on to you as utmost importance or of the most important thing. That Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures, according to our Jewish tradition. It's been told to us that he would. He died for our sins. He was buried in a tomb and three days later he rose again, according to the scriptures. So he's just presenting to them, this is what our scriptures have said. And then he goes on to say, I've not put it on the screen. Then he appeared to us. He appeared to many of the brothers and last last of all he appeared to me. As, as though one abnormally born. Do you know, when I gave my heart to Jesus, there was a moment of humility where I thought, man, I'm abnormally born. I don't deserve any of this. We've just sang it. I don't earn it. I haven't deserved it. But he's freely poured his love out on us. There comes a point, and the Apostle Paul, he says, I'm kind of a big deal, everyone. I've got meaning to boast, I've got the right to boast, but I consider everything junk compared to knowing Jesus, my Lord. And he says he appeared to me as though one twisted, abnormally born, and he's changed me. 
So I want you to know that if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you're part of a kingdom that will never shrink. It will keep growing and growing and growing. And one day it's going to fill the whole earth. One day there will be no more calamity or anxiety or pain. No more sickness and suffering. All the wrong will be undone again. Because we're part of this ever-increasing king and kingdom. His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy. So what it means to be a gospel people means we carry righteousness, peace and joy wherever we go. Wherever we go. Colossians 1 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Everything's broken. Everything's busted. And Jesus has come on a rescue mission to reconcile all things. So my friends, we have peace with God. We have sin forgiven. We have eternal life. We have the right now to be called sons and daughters of God, as Sarah brilliantly led us just now. Forever in God's presence, to live and to rule and to reign with Jesus forever. That's the good news of the gospel. The kids love it. (laughs) Friends, Jesus is the message. He really is the good news of God. So we're all part of the story. We're all part of the plan. We now need to live ready. Jesus is the message, and we need to be ready to share Jesus. Matthew 5, verse 14 says, Jesus, these are really profound words. When I saw this again, I was like, man, this is actually what Jesus, you said. He says, you are the light of the world. You. Me. Bill Johnson uses this great analogy. He says, Jesus came to play this big heavenly game of tag and he tigs or tags us and says tag Alan you're it you're now light of the world he came as the light of the world then he tags us and says you're now the light of the world this is what it means to co-partner to co-labor with Jesus it's profound so we proclaim and we demonstrate it's what it means to be part of the king and the kingdom we proclaim the king and we demonstrate the king's arrived And because we believe healings happen and supernatural uh, miracles happen, these are all signs of the kingdom. I was set free from a 10-year amphetamine addiction because the king arrived. There was nothing good in myself. I was set free from a cocaine addiction because the king arrived. That was the miracle. And it blew my parents' minds, my friends' minds. They all think I'd been brainwashed to which I have, my mind needed washing, a good deep clean. So does yours. And the king arrives and he does all of that. But we, we demonstrate signs and wonders. Earlier we prayed for those that are sick and we're going to do it again. And I'm going to believe for a sign and a wonder that will show the king and his kingdom is firmly established. So we demonstrate. Jesus said to his first followers, preach a kingdom, heal the sick. That's the same mandate on our lives. So when we're thinking about gospel people, we're going to add this into our sessions. We preach good news, and we live good news, and we demonstrate good news. 
It's really good news if someone has arthritis and they're suddenly healed. It's really good news. If someone suffered with migraine for 20 years and they're suddenly set free, it's really good news. Ian and Celia there have seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open all over the world. Really good news. Really good news. So we're going to believe for it here in Mossside, in Manchester, 2019, this morning. So we want to get familiar with the message. We want to just get familiar to, to, to present to the world and our friends and family, this is what God has done in Christ. This is what God has done in Christ Jesus. His story, John 3.16. John 3.16 and 17 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's the beginning of the story. We need to start with God and stay with God. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Full stop. He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the message we carry. Jesus so loves you. And he didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. I was set free and saved where I was, and then Jesus changed me. That's the message we carry. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21, it says all this is from God. All this is from God. That's good news. It's all from him, who's reconciled in everything through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that, we are, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Friends, I've done some horrible things, like truly awful stuff. I've said awful stuff. I've done awful stuff. I've thought awful stuff. The Bible tells me he doesn't treat me as my sins deserve. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. He's committed to us this message of reconciliation. We're Christ's ambassadors Ralph is going to do, I think, week two on this, as though God were making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And this is really the the great exchange. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God. And I realize now that all of my addiction, all of my rejection, All of my hatred and harm and oppression was poured out onto Jesus. And there he carried it to the cross and it was nailed to him and he died with it. And all of my junk was buried in a tomb. And then when he burst from the grave, my new life started. So whoever gives their heart to Jesus, it says in the Bible, whoever confesses him Lord is saved. And one Wednesday evening, I found myself as a whoever. But surely I've got, no, no, no. It's whoever believes. It's whoever believes. So I want to throw it out there this morning, friends. Do you believe? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I want to. I'm going to give you the opportunity later to say, yeah, I believe. And I want to promise you that if you, in your heart of hearts, believe, from this moment forward, your whole life will change. Your whole life will change. God will grab hold of your life and he'll, you'll, you'll discover what the, your true purpose is, your true identity is. 
Understand your story from his story. Get familiar with his story. Just different nuances of it. You don't have to remember the whole gambit, but this is what God has done in Christ. Get familiar with your story, where there's been moments of hope or um, peace or healing. Get familiar with key aspects that you can just share with people. The Bible says that we're to revere Christ as Lord, 1 Peter. It's a great principle. And always be prepared to give an answer of the hope that we carry and to do this with gentleness and respect. So we want to be those. This is the whole point of this empowering season. We want to be those that live ready. Be ready to give an account of the hope that you carry. I never want to be at the bus stop, and some, very rarely at the bus stop. I don't want to be anywhere, and someone says, so what is there? something on you? What is it? I really don't know. Have a lovely day. Now I want to be ready. I want to be ready to say, this is why I live the way I live. Um, the message says, be ready to speak up and tell everyone who asks you why you're living the way you are. And always do it with the utmost courtesy. You know, the reality is people, people are watching how you live. You might not know it, but they are. Your family, your friends, your work colleagues, people at school, wherever we go in society, people will be watching why we live the way we do and they're wondering why. Why do you respond to your kids the way you do? What, how, how do we respond to disappointment and hardship? How do we respond to grief? How do we respond to pain and sickness and suffering? How do we respond when someone causes us pain? People are watching. And our, our lives, our integrity, our character, our moral compass is on display for the whole world to see. It's certainly how it worked for me. I was working for a company called Marshall Tufflex, basically making double glazed windows. And I've done some awesome jobs. Um, hey, if you do that, I'm sorry. Um, and I was working with my, my friend Gary, who's a Christian. And I watched him over a period of probably a year or so, just watching his life, watching how he responded to the company, watching his integrity and his character, watching actually how he loved his wife and kids. I'd never seen a man do that kind of stuff before. And I thought, man, Gary, you're a real man. There's something about you. I think I want to be more like you. Me and my pals, we're imposters. You're a real man. So I sat on a forklift truck Massive truck, covered in grease we were, sat down next to him and I said, come on in, Gaz, what is this that you believe? What he didn't do is say, ah, oh, it's interesting you say that. Why don't you come to my church and someone will tell you? What he did do was he was ready to give an account of the hope that he carried. And he told me about Jesus in a way that San understood. I'd never heard this before. I'd heard religion, but in a moment I'd heard of Jesus. And it was like he just popped a seed into my heart. And this seed began to grow. And then fast forward several years later, um, one of my close friends, really good friend of mine, was tragically killed at work. He was working with a couple of my other friends, the scaffolders, and he fell. And my friends, they were working together, and he fell. Joe fell and died one day at work, and it rocked our whole friendship group, man. And when I think about it, I'm still sad. I'm still sad. Um, and we, we got together, and we... My, my crew, none of them know Jesus, and they do what guys do best in those environments. Let's get smashed. You know, they just, we're going to get some beers, and we're just going to sit and cry and hold, you know, not hold each other. That's not what guys do. So, yeah, that's what real men do. Let's sit and hold each other. Hold me. 
But we were there in a room and I thought, do you know what, I, I want to be with you guys. So I went, I, where else would I be? I wanted to be with my friends that I loved. And we sat there and we talked and we cried and we talked. And over a period of weeks, we, we were there for each other. And there was one evening that I was with them again in my friend's flat. And my friend Ashley looked at me and he said, so where do you think Joe is now? And in a moment, I had a choice. I believe, I want to be clear, I believe with all my heart, the only way to the Father is through the Son. I believe Jesus is the only way, the only way, but he's the way, not me. He's the way. I remember feeling the Holy Spirit just go, just go easy. Not audibly, but just this sense, just go easy. And I said, you know what, I have no idea where he is. But what I do know is the God that I love and follow is one full of love, and he loves Joe more than I could ever describe to you. And I just trust Joe into his hands. And then I was able to share my story. I said, you know, I've never really told you how I beat cocaine because unless you can see, I've not touched it since because many of them think I just chased them into church. To some degree, I did. There was that aspect to it. Um, But I was interested. I was interested. There was this work of God going on in my heart. And many of them think I just did that. And I was able to share my story. I shared key moments I believe Jesus is real. I believe he set me free. He's so kind and he's so full of love. And you could have heard a pin drop in that room. And afterwards, my friend Eddie, tough character, he just came up to me and went, I like what you said, Mush. I might come to your church one day. Never has. But I was just ready to give an account of the hope that I carry. Romans 10 says, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe unless they've heard and how can they hear unless they've sent and or someone preached to them how can they preach unless they're sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news Paul is pulling this directly from a prophecy in Isaiah where it says how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those that declare good tidings salvation peace you know our feet are beautiful some of them are but we want to be those that man people are drawing close to what do you think life's all about Let me tell you what life's about. Let me show you what God has done in Christ. Let me keep showing you what God has done in Christ. God really does want to make his appeal through us, through you. An important thing to consider at this point is that we are in it for the long haul. Friends, I want to implore you. I want to encourage you to just be patient. We don't treat people like gospel fodder, just just looking for any moment. We We are ready but we want to, I'm going to come on to love in a moment, but we're in it for the long haul. I realized after my friend died, two of my, I've lost two of my friends. After they died, I felt God say to me, do you love them? And it was, honestly, it's only when I can hand on heart say, <clears throat> whether they ever encountered Jesus or not, I love them. God gives me a new, new heart for them. We, I believe we begin to see people as he sees them, not as projects, but as objects of his love, his unconditional love. So I want to encourage you, like through this season, we're in it for the long haul. We're not just going to go out like bulls in China shop, go, just anywhere. Let's, let's be wise, like wise. We're in it for the long haul. I've been a Christian now for 17 years, almost two decades. And to this day, I'm not sure, I don't think any of my friends have given their heart to Jesus. But I know I'm in it for the long haul and I love them. 
but I'm looking for opportunities for when they bring stuff up or opportunities that I can hang things on. So we're all big football fans. Um, so we'll often get together and watch the football together. And my friend Ashley, I love him so much, I can't even describe how much I love this guy. Um, he'll often tease me, he'll say, like, like when I knocked around sometimes he'd go, oi, oi boys, the reverend's here. Um, I'll be like, cucumber sandwiches, please. Um, sometimes he'll say, he used to say, if you remember him, he used to say, so, how is the Lord? And I'd be like, he's still wonderfully good. Wonderfully good. He asked me once, I was talking to someone about emails or things, and he just piped in, he said, so can you email the Lord now? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can, you can't. I've, I've got direct access, but you, not for you. And he's like, all right, mate. So there's banter that's growing, but I'm realizing that when, when anxiety strikes or he had something that happened to him and he phoned me and said, mate, how would you do this? And I'm realizing I'm ready. I just want to be ready. I'm in it for the long haul. Ash, I love you. And I'm in it for the long haul. I want to encourage you guys, love your friends and family and be in it for the long haul. Be in it for the long haul. Very rarely, oh, last, what I also love doing is, because Jurgen Klopp's a Christian, just to say, we've got the divine on our side. Um, just saying, just saying he's a Christian. Just, yeah, we'll pray at the end. Um, he's done this brilliant interview of how Jesus is actually number one in his life and football comes second. Um, we'll see, we'll see about that. Um, but I believe he is a Christian. He said some incredible things. So I sent my friends this link to Jurgen Klopp and I've said, look who's in my club. Um, and I joke with them. I say, there's still just a few spaces left if you want to join. So we get this banter to and fro. So it's looking for opportunities to hang things in. And not cheesy ways. I did this in first service as well. And I've heard you hear it done. Like you, you're just, you're there because you're just waiting. Waiting. You're not even caring about who's around you. And then you're watching the football and there's an incredible cross. And then you go, let me tell you about a cross. <laughs> if you can just pause that. Let, let me tell you right now about an ultimate cross. Oh, what a save. Let me tell you about a saviour. There's moments that you can just like, oh, cheesy. But look for opportunities and know that you're in it for the long haul. For me, it was a series of moments. I sat on the forklift truck and my friend Gary plop, plop this seed of the gospel in my heart. And I knew from that moment, man, I can't shake this thought. I'm being drawn in. Then Em and Sarah's family and these guys were, I was meeting Christians and they were really cool to be around. And I was like, wow, you, you actually live and believe this stuff. And God was drawing me in. So there's a series of moments over a period of a, probably a year. So Gary planted this seed, then other people came along and watered this seed, and I was being in this tractor beam, then I found myself on an alpha course, and then this guy called um, um, Nicky Gumbel, I was watching it on a, a VHS video in someone's front room. You know, sometimes we try to make it too funky, and it's, like, it's just the gospel, just present the gospel, and then I'd heard again Jesus, and in that moment, someone said, would anyone like to give their heart to Jesus? And I went, I do. So this guy must have thought, this is easy. Just, but what he didn't realize, that a year previous, people had been planting seeds and watering seeds and telling me about Jesus. And then some way down the track, someone else reaped the benefits. So that's why we can rest secure that we're in it for the long haul. And we just can be obedient. We just do our bit. The, the couple's house that I gave my life to Jesus in, they've become so dear to us. Um, they said they just watched me 
I was like a bit of fruit on a tree, and they just watched me slowly ripen across the weeks. What they didn't do is try to pull the fruit off the tree. Do you love Jesus yet? What about now? How about now? They just waited and watched, and they said, plop, one day they just caught me when I fell. And that's what I want us to know. All we're we're doing is just being obedient to God. Where's he moving? Where's he leaning? What's he asking you to do? You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We need to remember that then we can take hands off, pressure off. We need to know that all we need to know is be obedient. Just do your bit and God grows. You might plant a seed or you might water a seed that's come along or you might reap something that's been invested in for years. But we're all part of this incredible king and kingdom. We want to make followers and not just converts. You know, in a way, it's easy for someone to make a response, an emotional response. I don't, I don't want that. I hope you don't. I, I kind of want a response, but I want, I want someone to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. In every, in every way, whatever it's going to cost me, there's going to be this humility to say, man, I'm just going to follow him. And look for people of peace. People would have been drawn here this morning because you're just like, man, I just feel like being here. It's a bit weird, but I just feel like being here. That's because the peace of Jesus is drawing you. And often we can just look for peace on people. I have before. We've got friends in our lives that they're just asking questions. I was at Jump Heaven a few weeks ago and someone just said to me, do you believe in life after death? I was like, wow, I've just got a coffee. Let's talk about that. But she's so peaceful to be around. And you realise, man, there's a moment of peace right now. I'm just going to lean into that. And prayer. Build a habit of prayer. Colossians 4 says, devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And it goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity. So we can pray daily for opportunities. Pray for wisdom. Pray, God, help me share what I need to share. Help me see people as you see them. Help me not treat people as projects, but of objects of your love. You know, the goal in all of this is love. The goal in all of this is love. The moment we treat people like gospel fodder, I feel like we lose the heart of God. Penny brilliantly led us in worship, knowing we love because he so loved us. That's the deal. That's the deal. We love because he so loved us. So it's really important that we see people as he sees them. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. So you can pray, God, help me so love my family, my friends, my streets, my neighborhood, this city. Help me so love people I come in contact with. Galatians 5 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. The only thing that counts is love at the end of the day. Everything else will burn away. Galatians 5.14, the entire law is summed up with one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, you know the passage, some of you are very familiar because it's been read at weddings, but it's meant to be what we all live in. Love is patient and kind. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It rejoices in truth. It always hopes, always perseveres. It never fails. This is how we're meant to live. You know, if we don't live in love, the Bible says we're just, it's like Simon getting up here just smashing the symbols. Oh, it's horrible. We're a horrible noise to the earth if we don't love. 
So I want to commission you to love as Jesus so loves you. It's never an excuse to not love. And the last thing before we pray is knowing Jesus is so key. You know, this love we're talking about is the most pure and powerful currency of heaven. And Jesus is love. So knowing and following Jesus personally will give you a message authentically. It, there'll be a genuineness about your, about your following. And actually God's strategy seems to be follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There it is. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Not a program, not a principle, a person. Follow Jesus. Friends, I could have just said that, couldn't I? Just stood up here, follow Jesus. Follow this wonderful saviour. Follow him everywhere he goes and he'll make you fishers of men. You know, the gospel is what we get to gossip. I love someone say, we just get to gossip the gospel. Those that know Jesus deeply share him authentically and we talk about what we love, don't we? You do. We just do. We talk about what we love. Do you want to stand with me? We're going to pray together.